Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. We want to track our times in the seasons. And I felt that even as I'm doing that, I want you to know that we don't just preach Christmas messages because it's Christmas time. But God wants to keep us aligned with the journey of redemption that He has got for our lives. And so as we come to this month of December, we're going to be unpacking a theme called Hosting Christ This Christmas. And I, I didn't even expect to read it during the praise and worship, but that verse from, one, from Luke chapter 1, that the angel Gabriel was declaring to Mary. We're going to read it all together in a minute. But that verse just filled my heart this morning with so much praise. Did you feel the, the presence of God upon that? They weren't just words that were said over 2,000 years ago to a very poor virgin a woman called Mary. She was probably a teenager. Any teenagers still with us this morning? I know we've just sent them all out, blessed them all out. It's good to see uh, all the different ages here. But those words weren't just didn't just have power to Mary. As I was reading them this morning, my heart was overflowing with the praise for Jesus, that He still is the Son of God, that He still is great. His name will be great, that He still is seated. But here's the thing. He's not just seated on the throne of David. He's seated on the throne in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father. And He still has got so much power. And He still wants to come and make Himself real to us. So as we talk about hosting Christ this Christmas, because I want you to know Christians are for life, not just for Christmas. As we come to talking about hosting Christ this, this Christmas, there are things that God needs from us as we host Him. And there's four things that we're going to develop as we spend this month together. And that's this. To host the seed of God, the seed needs a womb. The seed needs a friend. The seed needs a song. And the seed needs a manger. And we are going to develop and look at how we can create a dwelling place even right here. Put your hands on your belly. You know, it says in John chapter 7, Out of your innermost beings will flow what? Streams of living water. You know, that word belly, that word belly there in John chapter 7, it's translated many different times throughout the Bible with the word womb. And the Hebraic idea, as we talk about understanding, creating a dwelling place for God, is that the womb is actually the innermost being, innermost parts within us that receive the word of God that we can then create. And so, Jesus himself says in John 7, out of my innermost being, out of my womb, you could translate it, will flow streams of living water. And I want us to be a church, a body, that this month as we come to approaching Christmas, that Christians are for life, not just for Christmas. Now, I want you to know this. The spirit of the world at Christmas is sentimental. But the spirit of Christ at Christmas is supernatural. I think I need to preach that. Say that one again. You know, isn't it strange? A couple of weeks ago, Halloween finished. 
whatever we need to say about that. Thank you, Jesus, for the light and the power of your presence. But as soon as it finishes, what do we see? All of a sudden, the candy canes start coming up. All of a sudden, the Christmas movies. Or is it just my family who loves a good Christmas movie? All of a sudden, the decorations change. All of a sudden, you know, all of the malls, they got the trees up, they got the sleighs, they got all those bits and pieces. None of it's about Jesus. It's great that they want to begin to, um, we can see it as beginning to focus our attention on what's the real reason behind it. But you see, the spirit of the world at Christmas is sentimental. Do you remember when you were a kid and your parents used to spray shaving foam on the floor on Christmas morning and make it look like Santa had walked through your house. Let me tell you, it was very confusing for me. I'm, for those of you who knew, I'm Zimbabwean. That's why my accent's strange. There's no snow in Zimbabwe. So it was very strange waking up Christmas morning saying, how on earth did snow get in my house, you know? Anyway, it is all, it's all these sentimental feelings that they want to draw up within us. And, and I love giving gifts. Let me tell you, you, you bless your, your family with gifts. Don't go into debt over it, Okay. But bless, be a giver. You know, you can give so much without even having to go to the mall and buy presents. Do you know that? You can give, you can be present. You don't just have to give a present. You can be present at Christmas, you know. But the spirit of the world is a sentiment. But I want you to know that the spirit of God at Christmas is supernatural. He's never stopped being all-powerful. He's never stopped being spiritual. He's never stopped empowering us. And as we come at this season, I believe God wants us to look again and to realize that He is still talking to us about being a dwelling place for Christ this Christmas. So we're in our homes, Lord Jesus, in our, in our families, with our friends. We don't just want to put a Christmas tree up, but we still need your presence in our lives more than ever. Are you ready to open the Word of God with me? Yeah. Would you turn to chapter, uh, Luke chapter 1? Let's read together um, as we track through this. These are the four things of the next couple of weeks. The seed needs a womb, and that is the individual indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The seed of God, He needs a friend. That's the corporate indwelling. If you brought a friend to church this morning, give them a high five. It's so good that you're doing that. Keep bringing friends to church. There's going to be some amazing opportunities for that. This Saturday, uh, the seed of God, it needs a manger. And what's that? That's a geographical indwelling. And it needs a song. And that's the proclaiming of the indwelling of God. So you're ready now to read together Luke chapter 1. Let's go. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Think about that. She hadn't even conceived yet. She hadn't been overshadowed. The, 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 the Savior, our Savior Jesus, who was called Emmanuel, God is with us. Right now, the angel is proclaiming that he is a, God, God is already with her. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of reading this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. 
He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Hallelujah. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Amen. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Just, just read that again, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, she asked. May your word to me be fulfilled. Her, it wasn't just her womb that God was borrowing. It was her whole attitude. It was her whole outlook. It was her whole life. We'll see that a little bit more, that there's a great cost to becoming a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. And verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you see, the book of Luke now, what he's doing is he's beginning to give us an ex- a mysterious origin of the extraordinary creation of which Jesus is the real head. We're, about, we're, we're entering into a whole new covenant here. We're entering into a whole new season. As I said, change your watches. There's a whole new season that God has had initiated at this point. And the book of Luke is, is, is heralding this change. And it's mysterious. We find it hard sometimes to understand. The book of Genesis was also talking about a mysterious origin, but of the natural world. And at that point, what do we see? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Holy Spirit hovered, overshadowed, brooded, rested over the chaos of the deep and began to, began to call forth creation. And here, at the start of a new creation, the Holy Spirit comes, He overshadows, He hovers, He rests over Mary and He begins to, to start a new creation, a new covenant. And we are living in that amazing new covenant. And every single area of chaos that was going on in the world at that time, God is not afraid of it. God doesn't turn his face away from it. God doesn't hide from it. God doesn't think you don't deserve it. God doesn't say, I never expected it. In the midst of chaos, just like he was hovering over in Genesis chapter 1, he comes and he hovers over a place. He is looking for some way that he can rest because he has got the answer. So don't, don't ever let some of the chaos that we can sometimes go through these kind of times. It's so busy, isn't it? And there's so much happening and, and we can step back sometimes saying, well, I just really need to retreat right now, Lord Jesus. I just really need some, some rest. I really need a holiday. I really need this. I really need that. You put your really needs in that place. And God is saying, no, don't let any bit of chaos pull away because he is looking for, he still needs a dwelling place on earth. He still needs those whose hearts, like Mary would say, here I am, I am your servant. May your word come true over me. I find that incredible, don't you? That the God of all creation, 
He is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. He is all-present. He's everywhere. Lissy, our youngest, is, is doing RE at school right now. And as I drive her to school in the morning, she's impressing me with her knowledge. And she's saying, Dad, I did, I've got RE today. I've got an RE test today. Oh, yeah, what are you learning about? Well, Dad, have you ever heard of the word omnipresent? <laughs> no, Lissy. Well, tell me about it. Well, Dad, that means always present in every single place. God, God's omnipresent. He's all around. Have you heard the word omnipotent? I'm like, uh, no, I've heard the word omnipotent. <laughs> yeah. And, and she, she's telling me all of these truths. And it's, I find it so incredible that the God, our God, who is all powerful, who's all around, who can do whatever, chooses to say that if it comes to affairs on earth, I want to work through you. Do you see that? Do you, do you realize that? There are sometimes things in our lives that we think, God, when are you going to step in and change this? And God's saying, I'm right here ready. I'm knocking at the door. You know, and there can be even situations that we look at at the news, situations that we look at down our street, situations that we look at in our government. And we can say, God, when are you going to change that? And God says, I am right here. When are you going to step into that? Because I am ready to fill you. You know, it's, it's the things and the times that we can see that sometimes look chaotic, that we can sometimes want to bring our most um, complaints to. Do you ever feel like that? Oh, man. It's the, you know, we can go and there's long queues somewhere and we think, oh, this is just a chaos. And then we can begin to complain. But what we need to realize at times of Christmas, and let me tell you, I'm not talking about shopping queues, waiting at Aldi for Kevin the Carrot and getting all those bits and pieces. I'm talking about the areas where we identify chaos even in our lives. And what we can do is we can begin to see and hear a complaint rising up within us. And I want you to know that the, the, the Times of Christmas, it's so important that we remember this is when God was looking for mankind to say yes to him because he wants to make a difference on the earth. He wants to make a difference. I, I wasn't going to go there, but I'm, I'm just going to go there now because I think it's so amazing. The, the cultural backdrop of when Jesus came, you know, the Bible says that when the fullness of time came, say fullness of time, fullness of time came. God sent forth his son. There was so much going on in the world then that it was then and only then that Jesus could have stepped in. Have you ever read in the beginning of the scriptures and it's talking, and especially Matthew and Luke talking about the gospel message and it's giving you all these politicians' names, giving you all these kings' names and you think, I don't know what on earth was going on. There was a guy called Augustus Caesar. He was the ruler of the known Roman Empire at that time. It was the biggest empire. It was massive. And he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. Any English literature, Shakespeareans among us, I see, I see one hand, I see, I see two hands. He declared his father, Julius, Augustus declared his father to be a god. And there were parts of the Roman Empire where they began to worship him. What he also then did is, is Augustus Caesar, the guy who was over all of this area, he said, if my father's a God, a deity, therefore I am the son of God. And he started to proclaim himself the son of God. What's more, he would put upon in different seats and different places of ruling his own king. So we read about a guy in the book here called King Herod. 
Now, we've just heard the angel said that Jesus will sit on the throne of King David. King David was an amazing man. He was, he was the, the best example, I think, of leadership in the Old Testament when we look at the Bible of kingship. And here we have, when Jesus steps in, when the fullness of time came, a guy called King Herod. You know, King Herod wasn't even of a kingly line. King Herod wasn't even fully Jewish. King Herod was just a piece of um, leadership that the, the governing body put in there so they could keep control. What's more, the head of the, the synagogue, the head of the, the church, it wasn't the church, but the head of the, the religious background at that point for which Jesus came was a huge mixture. Sadducees, Pharisees, they were actually the ruling elite. They were powerful, rich people that leaders put in place just to, in order to keep the people quiet, in order to gather the taxes, in order to raise the money, in order to, to control. There was they, the country, the nation of Israel, God's nation had fallen so low. So when I'm talking about chaos, yes, I'm using an analogy of Aldi line. But just think about the chaos that is in the world around us. And that was the moment that, G, that God said, now is the fullness of time. Now I send forth my son. There is no chaos that God doesn't want to solve. There is no complaint in our lives that is too great for God to solve. But what he needs is he needs a belly. Put your hands on your belly again. Come on. We've all got one. And we say, Jesus, I say yes for you come and dwelling in me. For you coming and creating me to be the solution. Even over chaos in our lives. Lord, we speak a peace right now. I sensed such a shift last Sunday. If you weren't here, that's okay. You can watch it again. Just, just click on the stream. But we had Ruth and Hannah. And there was so much that was released in the atmosphere on Sunday. Did, did that word, you can, you can give God praise for that. There was so much that was released. There was a word. And I felt God saying, Ryan, brood on this. That was released and Ruth invited people who have been struggling with infertility, who have been struggling with, with having children, breaking off the curse of barrenness and people stood up. And I believe that we're going to see uh, seed from that. But I really felt God saying, Ryan, that curse of barrenness that's been broken this week isn't just for people wanting babies. But there is a curse of fruitlessness in your life that is broken right now in the name of Jesus. This is the message of Christmas. That any areas of fruitlessness, regardless of what's going on in the world around us, God comes that he finds one person. Does he find you today? Will you be the one person that says, yes, Lord Jesus, find in me a belly where your seed can come. Find in me a place where barrenness can be broken. Find in me a place where I will bear forth fruit. Lord, would you break chaos of families? Lord, would you break chaos of towns? Lord, would you break chaos of cities? Lord, would you break chaos of businesses, of areas of, of relationship and management and people? I believe that. I believe it. I, I love the family unit, but I know some of you as well, you might be single. I want you to know this word is for you. The place where you come from, whether it's your home, whether it's your workplace, you can be an answer to chaos. Chaos is an agent of the enemy. God doesn't like chaos. Chaos isn't, is not meant there because what chaos does is it prevents the Lord ruling. It prevents the Lord reigning. But chaos, even though it's from the enemy, it's no match for the power of our mighty God. And that power is going to work through you. So Lord, any areas of chaos, 
even when we look at what's going on in political cl- climates, when we look at what's going on in world stages with wars, we say, Lord, like, just like the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid. We hear those words, we will not be afraid. But we know that you're putting within us a seed to be the answer. You see, what we conceive is not a physical life, but rather a spiritual life through Jesus and the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. I've started to talk about the Hebraic idea of the inner man. The word literally means belly. Now, this is the organ. What, does our, what do our bellies do? It's the organ that receives food and converts it into life. Think about your belly, your, your physical belly. I'm thinking about my belly this Christmas. <laughs> Think about it. It's the organ that receives food. What does it do? It converts cheeseburgers into growth. It converts, I've got to be careful when I start talking about food now. you got like roast chickens into energy on Monday morning at 9 a.m. Well, at 7 a.m. when the alarm bell goes and you've got to get going. It takes food and it converts it into growth. And I, I was looking around. I, I want to, there's a couple of, I want to talk about the process of our bellies right now. Because I'm hitting that age where my belly begins to process things differently. I can't quite keep up with the appetite of my teenage son. Anyone else remember those glory days when you could eat whatever? Look, 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 I've got some honest men here. I love this. Tom, stick your hand up. Tom, stand up. We, we're going to be praying for your shoulder a bit later. That's why. The, the, yeah, stand up. We'll be praying for you later. But that's Tom, guys. Now, Tom. I need to tell you a story about Tom. <laughs> Tom doesn't want me to tell a story about Tom. Tom, Tom can eat. Tom can put it down. Jude's pointing at me because I can also eat. Okay, And so we would go on mission trips. And, in, and there was a mission trip to Africa once, Tom. And the, the challenge at this restaurant was if you eat two entire racks of ribs... Double rack ribs. I mean, I think there was a wall in the restaurant where two or three people's faces were. And they were probably South African rugby players who had succeeded at finishing these ribs. And Tom was like, bring it on. You know, I, I can't remember if you did it. I think you probably did. I think you probably smashed it. And then you started eating what was left on my plate. Because that's Tom. But we spent some time with him a couple of weeks ago. And I, I was reminding him of that story. And he said, Ryan, I wish I could still do that. You know what happens? Our appetite starts changing. I was walking over here. There's a, there's a young man. Come on, Dan. Stand up. I don't mean to embarrass you, but look, look, at this, look at this strapping young guy. Look at it. I can feel. I bet you your body's really good. You can eat whatever you want, right? And it just turns into muscle. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty, much. Pretty much. I eat whatever I want. Thanks, Dan. And let me tell you, it does not turn into muscle. But what I'm, the point I'm trying to make here is there is an organ that we can get really efficient at, at taking the Word of God and turning it into growth. Dan, I had you stand up, strong man, lots of good muscles there. He takes what he puts in his belly and it turns into growth. Some of us, what we can do is we haven't been faithful. This is a Christmas message. God's word, what do we do with God's seed? What do we do with the word of the spirit? How do we receive it? Some of us haven't been so good at receiving it and putting it into action. And it's time for us to be the answer to the chaos around. It's time for us to receive that. It's time for us in our inner place 
to have Christ formed in us. That's the message of Christmas. What do you do with what you receive from God? So how can Christ be formed with us? I want to just put across a couple of things. And these are all words for belly or for womb or for for inner place that have been translated throughout the Bible. And they're the same root word. And the first one is this. If you put this up if you want to, it's Luke chapter 11. Listen to these verses. I love it when it's Jesus who's speaking. I can trust the word of Jesus. I feel that when I read the word of Jesus, I don't have to go sometimes and read other people's teachings, commentaries, understandings on the word because the words of Jesus are so pure. The words of Jesus are so plain and I can trust it. And here's what he says about the inner place. Luke 11, 27. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Next verse. And he replied, no, rather blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So Jesus makes a direct link here with what the world was looking at the womb and looking at uh, the blessing that would be. And Jesus says, no, this isn't just about the physical womb. This is about all of us having an internal dwelling place where we can receive what? The word of God. So what we hear is so important as we create and seek to have Christ formed in us. What we hear, our ear is the beginning of of forming the belly, of the beginning of forming the place where God dwells in us. And I want to encourage you to be so intentional about the words of God this season. I want to encourage you, be intentional about what you hear. What are you feeding yourself with? Yes, we can all eat double racks of ribs, but that might not be what we need in that moment. What we need is the word of God. Jesus, in John chapter 4, when he had finished evangelizing and and ministering, let me just use normal words. He had totally transformed the life of a woman who was sat by a well, who was broken from multiple relationships, broken from being cast, outcast by her society. And he helps her through. He gives her hope. He opens her eyes. And the disciples come and say, aren't you hungry anymore? And he says, no, I have food that you know not what of. Feed yourself with the words of God this Christmas. I think it's really important. I want us to be super intentional about receiving the greatness of Jesus. Can I, can I just say this? It's very easy to go around this season and to miss the point of what it's all about. If you've ever played with a, a dog... Um, Man, I shouldn't be saying this. Or even like little children. I'm not relating the two <laughs> initially. But if, if, you, if you've got, got a dog in the house and you're saying, hey, look, look at this. And you start pointing with your finger. Look over there. Look over there. What will the dog look at? Most of the time, it looks at your finger. Right? And you're trying to show the dog. No, it's there. And the dog's looking at your finger. You know? You, you know this about me. I love, I love nature. I love being outdoors. I found this happens a lot. I'm, I'm outside with my binoculars, super awkward, I know. I'm going to just own it in front of all of you. And I'm looking at some amazing migratory birds that are coming in, and I'm pointing. There it is, there it is. And my kids might not be able to see it. And they're looking not at the bird, they're looking at my finger, right? Here's what I, I believe happens a lot at Christmas. There is the manger, there is the nativity scenes, there are the carols, there are the songs, there are the angels, there are the 
the food, there are the gifts. All of that is just the finger. And we can so easily look at all those things and miss the main point of what it's pointing at. And I want you to know, be super intentional this season because Jesus is the main point. Jesus is the one it's all pointing to. Jesus, he, he's not just lying in a manger anymore, but he is seated, as we've said, on a throne in heaven with his Father. He has sent his Spirit who is still looking for a dwelling place in our hearts. He has sent his Spirit who is still looking for someone whose inner place will say, Lord, come and dwell with me. Don't look at the finger. Look for Jesus. Be super intentional around the things that we hear. What we hear then begins to form what we say. Would you stick this verse up? It's Psalm 119, verse 13. And I love this. I haven't been able to get this out of my thinking this week. David says this, With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Just think about that. With my lips, with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from where? your mouth. So we hear things and begins to form in us, but the other birthing place is our mouth. As David begins to see the words coming from God's mouth, what does he do? He, he has said at different parts, I treasure them in my heart. He has said at different parts, I write them down. Let's make this real for us. He has said at different parts, I'm going to um, favorite that YouTube video of a favorite sermon preacher I like, and I'll watch it one day. I'm going to write notes this Sunday in my notebook. That's good. But let me tell you, friends, that's not the birthing place. It's when we recount with our lips what's been said with God's mouth that we begin to see his presence formed in us. So let's be really intentional around what we say this season. Let's be really intentional about what we proclaim, what we put in place. Our mouth, as it were, is a birthing passage of our heart. Are you pregnant with the words of God? What's coming forth in our mouth in this season? You see, Mary heard the words of the angel and conceived. Did you see that in, in Luke? She heard the words and conceived through her ears. And then what did she say with her mouth? I want you just to compare for a minute how important it is what we declare with our mouth. You see, Mary said, how will this be? A couple of verses, it's in the same chapter, a couple of verses earlier, there was a guy called Zacharias. He was a priest he was the husband of this lady called Elizabeth, who we've read. She, he became the father of John, but they were barren. Remember, God is breaking barrenness this season. He wants to bring forth fruitfulness. And the same angel, Gabriel, turned up to him. And he said, your wife will bear a son. And what did Zacharias say? He was the priest. He should have been full of faith. He said this, how can I know this for certain? You see, he proclaimed with his mouth, Something that wasn't birthing in line with what he was receiving. How can I know this? What's the difference between how can I know this and what Mary said, which is, how will this be? I am your servant. I'll tell you what it is. The one is having yourself at the center. How can I know this? How can I know that it's real? How will I be able to see? How can I have faith? And the other one is having Jesus at the center. Remember the finger? Where's the finger pointing? Mary says, let me get it right. How, can, how will this be? 
I am your servant. It wasn't about Mary. It wasn't about her ability. It wasn't about even her inner dwelling place. What we're talking about, it was fully trust in God. And it wasn't saying, will it happen? It was saying, give me the strategy of how this is going to happen. Can you see the difference in even what the words brought forth? So Lord, would you use our words in this season to begin to bring forth? Romans 10 says this, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No question of a doubt. For with your heart you believe and are justified, but with your mouth you confess and are saved. It goes on later in Romans verse 17. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. What we say in this, time, in this season, I in the worship, there was a moment where I felt God was going to demonstrate His kingdom of power above the kingdom of what we're going through. So Tom, stand up. I want to, we're going to pray for your shoulder. But anyone else, some of you put your hands up because you were waiting for healing. I want you just to be brave. Put your hand up again right now, this morning. Okay, would you stand up? Because I want us to pray this morning. I feel... I believe, I was challenged by the Lord this morning. And he said, Ryan, you're talking about the power of your words. Why don't you invite God's people? That's you. Come on, poke the person next to him. Say, that's you, you're God's, you're God's people. To pray and release words of healing and see what I will do in people's lives. So, come on, this, this is family, this is church. We're going to do communion in a little bit. I'm aware of the time. But would you stand up? You don't have to go far. Just stretch your hands out. And now... Begin to pray, release words of healing. You might, I believe you've done this before. If you haven't done it before, you say, Jesus, be healed. Lord, release a healing touch. Just begin to lay hands on them. Lord, we, we invite your healing power. With our mouths, Lord, we take the words that have come from your lips. And that word is that you are Jehovah Jireh, God our healer. Is anything too possible for you? And we thank you, Lord. No, nothing is too possible. And we say with our lips your words, healing in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. We release that. Just begin to, to test it. If, there's, if there was pain there before, what's it at right now? If there was something you couldn't do, What's it at right now? Maybe it's something you can't feel physically, but you can feel internally. And just, just wave to the Lord if you're feeling something beginning to change. Just wave right now. We, we just, just give Him a wave. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that touch. More healing in Jesus' name. More healing in Jesus' name. And you know, this, this is our bread. This is our um, our food. This is what God's called us to step into, to live into. And we, we do it at the family of God at church. Not because this is the only place it happens, but because God wants us to know we can do this every day of our lives. God wants us to know we, this is actually what we're called to do with our friends, what we're called to do in our workplace, what we're called to do with our families. Don't stop. I want to hear your mouths. Speak out those words of life right now. Words of life in Jesus' name. We release healing in Jesus' name. We release healing in Jesus' name. Oh, we release it, Lord Jesus. May our words right now come and work healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus, a touch. A touch.
God is forming in these bodies. He is forming parts that were missing. He is healing things that have been depleted or lacking in Jesus' name. He is forming that. Lord, would you do it? Thank you, God. Just breathe in his Holy Spirit presence right now. Would you, everyone, not just those standing, just breathe them in. Lord, you said that you would fill our mouths. Even as we open it this morning, would you fill us with more of your Holy Spirit? We want to be a place where your, your word is so welcome, where you can dwell in us, Lord Jesus. Yeah, feel free to sit down, but keep soaking in that. Keep soaking in that. His words are forming in our lives. The next thing is this, what we begin to dwell on with our thoughts. I want to read to you from Philippines chapter 3. Paul now is writing still about that the belly, the womb, the inner place within us. And he says this, For as I have often told you, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their God is their stomach. Some translations, which is really good, say their God is their appetite. And their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Remember the spirit of the world at Christmas is sentimental. But the spirit of Christ at Christmas and forever is supernatural. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform. That's where the overshadowing comes in. I don't know if I'll have time to get to that this morning, but that's all right. We'll transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. If you, if you would, if you would, we put physical food into our, into our physical belly and we grow a physical frame. We grow a physical body. But there is a spiritual food that you welcome into your spiritual belly and you grow a glorious body that is ready for Jesus, that is ready to destroy chaos. Say that, I am a chaos destroyer. (laughs) Forget about Star Wars this Christmas. I am a chaos destroyer. (laughs) Lord Jesus. And so what Paul does here, Paul links mind and thoughts with appetites and inner being in this very verse. You've read it together with me. He links it. The things that you begin to think, to think about it begins to actually create an appetite within you. I want us, as we look at this Christmas season, to create such an ap- appetite for the presence of God. Lord, would the, would the inclination of our thoughts be towards you only? Would the inclination of our hearts be set fully on you? And, and I love the fact that Paul goes into citizenship here. He says, don't set your mind on earthly things. But set your mind, which is the womb of your thoughts, set it on heavenly things. And then he goes straight into citizenship. Citizenship is the registered dwelling, the legal geographical position with rights and status the belonging in a community, and it's linked to government. And I wonder so, so much, I wonder how often are our thoughts in line with our citizenship in heaven? Or are our thoughts in line with the lesser ways that we think about ourselves? 
the lesser ways that we feel about ourselves. Lord, would you come and dwell even on our minds that we would be thinking like citizens of heaven, that we'd be thinking like those who have got a a status, a legal right to access the resources of that kingdom. That we begin to think like citizens, no, not longer walking through the world thinking we don't belong here. Will, will I be rejected? Will I be accepted? But you have um, belonging in heaven. Set your mind on these things. It will begin to see how we change and transform the world around us. And there's something really interesting here. You, I've alluded to, alluded to it when I was talking about Zechariah and the angel Gabriel came to him. The same angel came to Mary. And I'm just thinking about thoughts and the two options that we have to think and where we get to put our thoughts. Zechariah received Gabriel, the angel, in the city called Jerusalem and in the temple. Now, doesn't that seem like the right place that you would expect to receive an angel? Think about it. But then Gabriel, the very same angel, six months later, where does he go? He goes to to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a poor lady's home. There's no temple. There's no gold here. There's no pomp and display. There's no um, affluence of the city of Jerusalem. Let me tell you something about Galilee because this is to do with our thoughts. Okay. Galilee was despised by most of Judea. Galilee was, they called them not kosher. They called them mixture. They called it the land of the Gentiles. They called it a place that had become infiltrated by the Assyrians. And if you go through all the history, it's all about fullness of time. This was a place where God's people had intermarried with other people, had lost maybe some of their culture. They had lost some of their values. And they were despised. They weren't accepted as those who belonged. It was basically the last place you would expect an angel to turn up. Think about our lives. Think about your week. We go through lives and we think, God, if only you saw what I was doing here, would you send an angel? I want you to know the answer is yes. God, if you knew what difficulty I'm going through, oh man, I just, if, I, if only I could just get to church on a Sunday. God says, no, I want to send my seed to the midst of what you're going through. The Galilean's accent was despised. It even says in the Bible about Jesus, surely no good thing can come from Nazareth. Let me tell you, none of that stopped the Lord sending his angel to Galilee. None of that stopped the Lord sending Gabriel to have an encounter with someone who was ready to host him well. Don't let your thinking hinder what God can do through you. Say Galilean thinking, get rid of you. Any Nazareth thinking in my life, I get rid of you. God is coming and he is looking. The only thing he wants is there someone here who will host me. In your words, in your thoughts, and in your ears, the things that you say. My belly, Lord Jesus, is hungry for you. I think Tom got up in the worship and and was crying out that there is more. I love that because it brought a shift in the, in the worship time. I felt it. You might not have felt it. I'll talk about it for a minute. Sometimes it just needs people to be, um, pardon? 
to partner with what God's doing and also to step over some of the cost. Let me tell you about thinking too. Mary said yes to God. She counted the cost. Do you know what it cost her? She was called a fornicator. She was, she was called by many in her culture, someone who fooled around. They didn't even believe that Jesus was Joseph's son. Joseph wanted to divorce her. There was a cost, but even in her thinking, she wasn't going to think like a Galilean or a Nazarite. Nazarite. She was thinking, Lord, if you want me to, to carry this, I'm going to carry it. And, it. and even when we get up on stage, and I'm not talking about stage because you've all got a church platform in your home, but I want you to capture the essence of the truth here is that you can go into your house and you can, or your workplace or your wherever it is and you can step across that threshold of perhaps embarrassment. You can step across that threshold of reputation. Let me tell you where that threshold is. If I say that, what will they think of me? Well, I don't know what most of you think of me and I'm really pleased about that. And it's not just what will you think of me, it's what will, what will they say? And we have to face that reputation loss. We have to count that cost every single time. But we, we do it in our minds, we do it in our thoughts. We say, Lord, I'm gonna count the cost. I'm gonna step in. I wanna host you this Christmas and forever. So you see, the, gate, the angel, he came to Jerusalem, but then he came to Nazareth. What Nazareth thinking in your life do you need to change in order for Christ to be formed in you? God is calling you out of hiding. The thing about Galilee, it was a city in the hill, in the hills. And often people who were running away, maybe they're running away from debtors, maybe they're running away from um, breaking the law, maybe they're running away from family, they would go and they would find refuge in the hills, in the city of Nazareth. Just like David and Adullam, the cave of Adullam. And David was, was gathering together an army of broken people. But God never is ashamed of your brokenness. God never lets your brokenness or the rejection that we even do of ourselves stop what he wants to birth within you. I think I want to end with this. Sometimes preachers say this. They say we're going to land it now. You know what? I hope that we never land because I hope that what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, He continues us to rise with Him. And we always have our feet on the ground. And I always want my head in the clouds, so I'm not trying to land this. But I am aware that we've got uh, a limited attention. And no matter how hungry I am, there's only so much someone can talk for. <laughs> so um, God wants to create in us a place where He can receive. But the other thing that the seed needs, it's a friend. And the angel who came to the broken places, to Galilee, and spoke to Mary, he gave her strategy. He told her about Elizabeth. What he was basically saying is, what is birthing in you now? It needs a belly, but now it also needs a friend. And as soon as Mary went to Elizabeth, what happened? What she was carrying, get this, because this, this is where God wants us to go out from this place. What Mary was carrying in her, she was overshadowed by God. Yes, she was carrying the baby, but she was carrying in her heart, in her inner being, the yes of the Lord. And what she was carrying when she came into contact with Elizabeth, it overshadowed Elizabeth. And it says that Elizabeth felt it and the baby leaped 
within Elizabeth's womb. There is a leap of the Lord that God wants to bring upon families and friends at this Christmas time. Lord, I release that across friendships. I release it upon homes, upon apartments, upon flats. That even as we begin to focus on friendship and relationship at Christmas, that there would be a leap of the God. It would be a Matthew 18 moment that when two or three are gathered, you would be there in the midst of us. And Lord, that you would begin to position friendships and relationships around people in the body who need you most at this time. I'm not going to say our names, but in a, in, a, in a church, we know the hearts and the, the difficulties and the decisions that many of you have faced and are going through. Situations with stepping into new roles, situations in needing to see breakthrough from debt, situation in, in resigning and leaving behind certain seasons because you're stepping into new seasons. And I want you to know God is positioning friends around you who can speak um, confirmation, who can speak commitment, and who can speak the word of God over you, because together we are responsible for the seed that God has put in our lives. Together we say, yes, Lord, we will receive you. We will see Christ formed in us as an individual, but I want to see Christ formed in us as a body as well. So Lord, would you bless friendships this season? This is what it's about. Remember, the finger isn't just pointing at the Christmas decorations at your house when you go there, but it's pointing at Jesus. Put your finger on your heart, and it's pointing at Jesus being formed within us. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.